0: I feel like I just got my voice back from a couple weeks of being off, and then we sing a bunch of songs like that, and I may not make it through this morning either. You know, those songs are so wonderful because they honor the Son. And uh, that is what this portion of the Gospel of John uh, commands. We're going through a series through John 5, uh, through chapter 12, and uh, as we've said, what we're going to see over and over and over in these, in these passages are occasions to honor Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And sadly, what we're going to see often is that people don't. And we saw that last week in the, the invalid man, the, the man who was handicapped in uh, at the pool of Bethesda. And, and now we're going to see it today in the Jewish leaders as well. Uh, so as we look into God's word, may we may we be encouraged in our faith as we seek to honor the Son. Um, imagine... Though, before we jump into this, imagine the embarrassment of a basketball coach rebuking a gentleman for helping one of their youth players with some tips in between games, uh, not realizing that that gentleman was Michael Jordan or LeBron James. Oh, you can share anything you want to share with me to help me. Or, Or maybe a teacher of technology who doesn't understand why all the students are struggling to get to their desks to hear their next brilliant lecture, their fascinating lecture, and then discovering that it's Bill Gates that's working on a computer at a table in the rear of the classroom. And students are watching, and he's sharing helpful tips as he goes through the process, as he works. That coach or the teacher might be so bold to ask at first, Who do you think you are? Only to discover that they're no longer the expert in the room. And this very type of thing is happening today as we look into John chapter 5, times infinity. (laughs) Last week, as we said, we learned of Jesus healing this man who had been handicapped for 38 years, telling that man to roll up his mat and go home. And the response of the Jewish leaders was what? They asked, who is the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? You see, it was the Sabbath, and nobody was allowed. Nobody was allowed to break the rules that they the Jewish leaders had written to keep people from breaking God's commands, let alone telling somebody else to break their laws. And so the Jewish leaders in their own way ask, who does this guy think he is? And today as we continue in this chapter, we and the Jews obviously are going to see exactly who Jesus thinks he is. A lot of people think that Jesus never called himself God but we're going to see that's very much so not the case today. So just to back check a little bit so we can continue this thought, let's start back at verse 15. John 5, 15, it says, The man, and this is the man that Jesus had healed, went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. So the man went and told on Jesus. And this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus. They immediately, it says, started to rebuke and at least verbally attack him. Who do you think you are? Because he was doing these things, it says, healing a man, telling him to roll up his mat so he can go home. He was doing these things on the Sabbath. Okay? So, now that the Jewish leaders have made contact with Jesus, they're face to face with him. They're accusing him. And now he responds uh, with an incredibly loaded answer. Verse 17. Jesus answered them, My Father is working until now, and I am working. My Father is working until now, and I am working. What does that mean? It means a whole lot. It means a whole lot. Uh, Number one, what was Jesus' profession? What was Jesus' profession before he started his ministry? Do you remember? Jesus was a carpenter. A carpenter. In Mark six, there were people who knew Jesus from years prior and asked, while he was teaching, "Isn't this the carpenter?" And you know why Jesus was the carpenter? Why did he take on that profession? Well, because Joseph was a carpenter. In a similar similar situation, Matthew 13, people asked while he was teaching, "Isn't he the carpenter's son? Isn't he the carpenter's son?" It was normal, expected for young men to grow up learning their father's profession. And really being called the carpenter's son was more than just a reference to Jesus' professional training, because it included within that his identity, his background, his educational level, his educational concentration. He was trained to be a carpenter. No more, no less. That was how it was supposed to be. So it was his identity that way. Here's our Father's Day portion of the message today. Like father, like son. Like father, like son. It defined you. And just think about that. Even still today, things are different today, but even still today, how many men or even women here ended up being involved in a profession somewhat like their father? And if not the same thing, at least nearby in, in like the blue-collar, white-collar spectrum, We probably, many of us, have the same kind of thinking, same track. Many of us may be doing the exact same thing, just because it's how we were raised. It was who we were raised by, potentially. And this even goes into the area of hobbies or interests. Um, My dad never taught me a thing about hunting. Never taught me a thing about hunting. You know why? He doesn't like it. (laughs) He doesn't do it. He's not interested in it. He's not really into that stuff. Uh, Now, I had plenty of guitars around the house when I was growing up, and I learned how to play guitar. And I like sports. And, And by the way, my father was in banking for most of my childhood, so I know how to do my own taxes. Okay, so there's that. That's awesome. Like father, like son. And then there's something even bigger that my father passed down to me. Something that I've also passed down to my children. It's a shocker. We're all human beings. We're all human beings. I am a human because my father is a human. And my mother, of course, right? We are of the same essence. And with that, in the curse, we're all sinners. My father's a sinner. I'm a sinner. My children are sinners. Like father, like son. So when Jesus says... My father is working until now, and I am working. What is he saying? Was he building a house? No. Was he fixing furniture? No. No, what kind of work was he doing? He was healing a man, commanding his next actions with authority, and calling him to righteousness with the knowledge of his coming judgment, were he not to repent. That's not carpentry. Uh, Who does that kind of work? Not Joseph. That sounds like God work, doesn't it? So Jesus is calling who his father? God. Jesus is calling God his father, which makes Jesus... Like father, like son. God. Jesus just called himself deity. He just told the Jews that he is God. So that's number one. Number two, Jesus said, my father is working until now. Until now. When was the last time anyone heard of God resting? When was the last time God rested And we'd have to think through that and look in the Bible and discover Genesis 2, the seventh day of the first week of the universe. God made everything in those six days. And then on the seventh day, he set that day apart as an example for rest, for reflection on the goodness of God and his work. Everything was good. He was reflecting on that. He made that day holy. So it was set apart for us for rest, for reflection, which should result in our thanksgiving of him and worship. And the Sabbath was not established for himself. It wasn't for him. God did not create the Sabbath for himself to rest as if he needed it. God made the Sabbath for mankind. Since the first ever Sabbath day at the end of week one, and then after the subsequent fall of sin and then the curse, God has been on the move. Since then, since that day of rest, he has been on the move. He has been working doing God's work non-stop, and he never gets tired. He's God. He's God. And then, like Father, like Son, Jesus, God the Son, is doing the work of his Father, like all good boys do, right? Jesus is doing the work of his Father. He's doing God's work. And and it really doesn't matter what day it is, because the Sabbath is for mankind, and Jesus is God, my father is working until now, and I am working. So with that, here's a couple of interesting things to consider. First of all, the Jewish leaders were working, weren't they? What are they doing on the Sabbath day? They're working. They were doing their job on the Sabbath, and and they weren't considering themselves guilty of breaking the Sabbath. Why? Well, because they were doing God's work, of course. But who was actually doing God's work? God was. God the Son. The Jewish leaders then were being self-righteous. Jesus, they couldn't, couldn't possibly have been doing God's work, helping a helpless person and calling them to repentance and righteousness. That's not God's work. No, what we Jewish leaders, what we the Jewish leaders are doing, taking a stand for righteousness and helping this man by calling him to repentance, that's God's work. Do you notice what I just did there? Outside of the healing, those were the same things. And they're both claiming to be doing God's work. Interesting? Now, it's not wrong to help a brother or sister see something sinful in their life that they might be blind to, right? And it's obviously not wrong to share the gospel with a person who needs to repent and put their faith in Christ for salvation. We must do that. But we must also be humble and be willing to hear from others. This is what the Jewish leaders needed to do on this day. The debate here is, who's doing God's work? Jesus or the Jewish leaders? And we must be willing to get the beam out of our own eye as well. Not just as well, Matthew 7 says, first. First. So even if Jesus was wrong about himself, which he wasn't, he wasn't wrong about them. Even if Jesus was wrong about himself, he wasn't wrong about them. And they would have been blessed to listen and seek out the truth from God's word for their own growth. So just as an aside here, let's not ever be the person who always has the ability to find fault with others, but never sees any problems in ourselves. And when we see those problems, praise God for it, and may I deal with that first. So, One component of Jesus' statement is that it exposed the self-righteousness of the Pharisees, of these Jewish religious leaders. And then second, isn't it interesting? Jesus, if you think about this, Jesus could have argued that he was in fact not breaking the Sabbath as a man, as, as a human, because he wasn't. Jesus wasn't breaking the Sabbath he never actually broke the Sabbath. He, w- he was just breaking the man-centered perspective of the man-made amplified version of the law that was made to help people to not break the actual command of God. The fences that were built around the law are what they thought he had climbed over. That's not breaking the Sabbath. But Jesus didn't make that argument. He didn't say, well, I didn't break the law. That's not what Jesus did at all. Instead, he said... I'm God. I invented the Sabbath. And I know mic drops have gone out of style now, but that would have been quite the mic drop right there. I can't believe you broke the Sabbath. Oh, I'm God. Good day. You know, that seems like that would have been an appropriate, appropriate thing there. And the Jews knew this. They knew exactly what Jesus was saying. They heard him saying, I am God. I say, well, how do we know that? Well, let's keep reading in verse 18. This was why the Jews were seeking, and this word seeking here, it's, it's written in such a way in the Greek to mean a continual, consistent action. The, Jews, the Jewish leaders were in continuously, from this point on, seeking increasingly, all the more, it says, to kill him. Because not only was he breaking the Sabbath in their minds, but he was even Calling God his own father. And what was that meaning? They knew. Making himself equal with God. And at this point, we might say, okay, uh, that was a full day. Lots of people are going to be hearing about this. Jesus has told people again just who he is, and, and they definitely got the message. So let's call it a day, right? Wrong. Verse 19. So... And this so is like a therefore, meaning since Jesus knew they were ticked, that he had just called himself God. So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you. So here comes an absolute truth statement. Truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing for whatever the father does that the son does likewise. So God the Father and God the Son, in perfect harmony, the same essence, the same power, the same motives, the same goal, the same methods, the same abilities, the same thinking, the same actions. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Verse 20, for the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing, This is not just an exchange of information, but an enjoyment and a fellowship with affection within the Godhead, the Father and the Son. How amazing is that? And with that, if you ever wondered why we should pray if God already knows everything, you ever thought about that before? Well, God knows everything. Do I need to pray? Think about this. Here's a reason and some precedent. God the Father and God the Son exchange notes and they both enjoy it. They're both omniscient. They know everything the other is thinking in the personages of the Godhead, and yet they do that. (laughs) Pray. And now, after Jesus has further reinforced his claim to deity, after Jesus has further reinforced his claim to deity, he also promises the Jews that they're in for more than what they've already seen. So continuing in verse 20, he says, and greater works than these will he show him, the father to the son Greater than healing a man lame for nearly 40 years? Yep. Greater than turning water into wine? Of course. Oh, healing a sick boy from distance? Greater than that. Why? So that you may marvel. So greater works, like what? Verse 21 For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom He will. For the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son. So hold on for a second. Jesus has already said, I am God. Big statement. And now he's also saying, I am sovereign. I am sovereign. I will give you resurrection and eternal life if I will Remember, the Father and the Son are in a perfect accord. Whom the Father has chosen, the Son has chosen. And Jesus says, I am your judge. So to the Pharisees, to the Jewish leaders, he says, you will stand before me in the judgment. Big statement? Absolutely. Absolutely. Jesus isn't messing around here. Uh, there's not a single hint of beating around the bush. He says, I am God, I am sovereign, I am your judge. And verse 23 says why. That all may honor the Son, just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him truly, truly, here's that again, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, amen, but has passed from death to life. So this, this makes the language of the, of the passage clear. Passing Passing from death to life, what does that mean? It certainly means passing from spiritual death to spiritual life. This is salvation. This is our salvation. I was dead, but by God's grace, Jesus' death brought me life. In the big picture, the takeaways here, and some of this we have to, we have to look at this from the negative and the positive. If you reject Jesus' claims, you have rejected God. If you do not honor the Son, you have dishonored the Father. If you do not believe or put your faith in Jesus, you are not believing God. If you believe Jesus, you have eternal life. You have life. If you do not believe Jesus... You are dead, and you will be dead, separated from God forever in hell. And I have to ask you this, uh, does there sound like a middle ground here? Does there sound like there's a third option? And we have to say, no, there, there is no middle ground. The Jews thought, or at least they said, they were honoring God in their rejection of Jesus. But they weren't. They thought they were, they felt they were, but they just weren't. They were defying God. They were defying him. And this ought to make us think deeply about our own hearts, about the hearts of others. It ought to make us mourn and weep for them. This is not a simple thing or something we should just get over. We might ask, well, what about a really nice Jewish guy today who who believes in God and he's super kind he prays every day, and he just doesn't believe that Jesus is the Messiah. What did Jesus say? He's dead. He's dead in his trespasses and sins, and if he does not repent and honor the Son, he will not have life. Oh, what about a lady I know who says she's, she's Mormon, or she's the Jehovah's Witness, or maybe she's a Muslim, or something like that? Uh, she says she believes in, in the historicity of Jesus, like that he lived, She doesn't believe the same way that we do about it. She doesn't believe that that he's one with God the Father, that he died on the cross to pay fully for our sins. What did Jesus just say? She's dead. Jesus is Lord or he isn't. Did he lie? Was he not an all-sufficient sacrifice for our sins? Did he say that it didn't matter what you believe about him or that there's another way? Or is he the way, the truth, and the life? Can a person come to the Father by anyone or any way other than him? Is it up to my personal interpretation? And with that, what about my friend who says he's a Christian? Uh, they go to church, they pray, they, they say they believe in Jesus, even that he's the son of God and then died on the cross and rose from the dead. They believe that if they're a pretty good person, and once God cleans up all their leftover sin after they die, that they'll eventually get into heaven. Well, listen to Galatians three ten through 14. It says this, For all who rely on works, all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Now it's evident that no one is justified before God by the law. For the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. You keep one, you have to keep all. If you're guilty of one, you are guilty of all. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us on the cross. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles. Our salvation. That we might receive the promised spirit through faith. We believe. Remember in the Galatian church, this, this book that was written to them, this letter... False teachers were insisting that you had to be good enough. Believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Believe that he died on the cross. Believe that he rose from the dead. And follow the rules. And the Bible calls them false teachers. And calls their message a false gospel. Which means if they really believe they have to add their good works... Then what does Jesus say? They're dead. By adding their own self-righteousness to the equation, they have dishonored the Son. Church. Remember now, pretty good people. That guy's pretty good. He's a great guy. Pretty good people don't exist. Well, that's a rash statement. No. No. Romans 3, no one is righteous. No, not one. And realize in saying that, we also say, I'm not a pretty good guy. People who have a good heart, they don't exist. They don't exist. The heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? Jeremiah 17. People on their own Who sincerely want to follow God on their own, in their own flesh, without the grace of God, without the gracious will of Jesus granting them life. Those kinds of people don't exist. Not without the grace of God. There is no other means. Not without the truth of God. There is no alternate truth and opposites cannot both be true. And not without the cross of Christ. There is no other acceptable payment for sin. You cannot supplement the grace of God. Then it ceases to be grace. If you have to work for something, it's not gifted to you. You cannot deviate from the truth of God. Again, opposites cannot both be true. And you cannot alleviate the price that was paid at the cross of Christ. Jesus either paid the full penalty of our sin or he didn't. And if you have something good to offer on your own, then the cross becomes unnecessary. If you can do it on your own, then do it. But you can't. If you have something to offer on your own, then God's a liar Or he's just wrong and thinks too little of your natural ability. And if you think you have something to offer on your own, then you don't really believe that you need God's grace. And we need to hear that. But we need God's grace. And he's provided. (laughs) He's provided. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. Passed from death to life. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Verse 25. Jesus again says, Truly, 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 I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God. Who are the dead we're talking about here? Spiritually dead people. Will hear the voice of the Son of God. And those who hear, let, let him who has ears to hear, let him hear. Those who hear will live. And if you're saved today, or if you get saved today, by God's grace, this is you. This is you, having passed from death to life. Verse 26, For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to execute judgment, because he is the Son of Man. The Son of Man. That that title might sound like a very human title, but it's actually the title that's given in Daniel 7. To the one who would have dominion over all nations forever. This is an official title for the Messiah. Jesus is now also claiming, I am the Messiah. And then he says, verse 28, do not marvel at this. For an hour is coming when, what is the word there? All who are in the tombs will hear his voice, the Son of Man, and come out Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. This is the final judgment. And who will come before Christ for judgment? All. Philippians 2 Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess, either in joy or in devastation, that Jesus Christ is Lord. So you and I will do this. You and I are going to do this. We're going to bow the knee and declare Jesus Christ as Lord. Every president of the United States in all history will do this. Adolf Hitler, Joseph Stalin, Fidel Castro, any other leader you can think of, they're going to do this. They're going to bow the knee. Uh, Julius Caesar, Aristotle, Plato, Jesus Christ is Lord, Esau, If he didn't repent, whether or not he did, Ishmael, Caiaphas, the high priest during the crucifixion, all, every knee will bow. Jesus is God. Jesus is sovereign. Jesus is the judge. And Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of Man, and our Savior. And you, Christians, Christians, we know who Jesus is. Who are you? Who am I? And this is Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. You were, amen for that word, dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, Carrying out the desires of the body and and the mind. And were by nature children of wrath. Like the rest of mankind. And then the best two words. But God. Being rich in mercy. Because of the great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead. In our trespasses. Made us. I didn't claw my way to this. He made us alive. He made us alive with Him, with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages He might show the immeasurable riches of His grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. And this is the part that we all learn, right, at VBS. For by grace, but let's not, I almost made a token of this. No way, right? For by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It's the gift of God. Not a result of works. So that no one may boast. I am not going to pat my back in heaven. And you're not going to pat your back in heaven. And if we pat each other's backs in heaven, it'll be because we're saying, How awesome is this? Not because we're saying, How awesome are you? Right? We are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. If you're here today, and you have realized that you are dead in your trespasses and sins, that you've never put your faith in Christ, Praise God because He's revealed this to you. And then put your faith, put your faith today in the finished work of Jesus Christ and the cross for your salvation. Honor the Son and receive eternal life. And Christians, followers of Jesus, let's rejoice. Let's rejoice in the workmanship of God, 100% God, and God alone, by his grace. Let's praise him for making us a new creation in Christ Jesus, and let's walk in the good works that God's prepared for us. Let's walk in the manner worthy of that gospel. Amen? Let's pray together. Lord God, we praise you. We thank you. Lord, we thank you that as we honor the Son, as we praise the name of Jesus, that you, Father, are praised and you are honored. That, Lord, when we obey uh, the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, as we look into this word and praise the name of Jesus, that the Father is glorified. Lord, you are amazing. And you are good. You are full of grace and mercy. And we thank you for that. Thank you for our salvation in Christ. God, I do pray that if there would be somebody here today who does not know you as Lord and Savior, who has not um, called on you for their salvation, repented of their sin, confessed Christ as Lord, God, work in their heart even today that they might be saved, that they might become your child and have eternal life. And God, please, continue to instill in our hearts a passion for the lost. Lord, may we not be aggravated, or annoyed by people who are dead and don't know their right hand from their left as it relates to you. And may we have compassion and uh, earnestness to share the only hope they could possibly have in Christ. May we decrease that you would increase. we pray this for the glorious name of Jesus Christ. Amen.